anybody have a study sheet? Turn around. Turn around. They took his card. They took my card. What card? My, my, my school ID card. Give him his library card back. <laughs> it is, isn't it? All right. How's everybody doing this evening? Ben, turn around. It's the last time I'm asking you. As bad as your brother. You can't run a clicker. You can't pay attention. You got nothing to say. All right. So tonight we wrap up this exhilarating study. It's kind of bittersweet. Um, most of you guys, I think, were here for all eight weeks of it. It flew by. Um, but like I said last week, I've saved my favorite for last, um, quite frankly, because this was the study that God used to change the entire course of my life. Um, and you guys are familiar with my testimony. This message was preached, I would say, or taught in a very abridged version when I was in high school. Um, totally changed my whole outlook on life, um, about time and just how precious it is and what I'm <laughs> investing my time in. Um, and how I had wasted really the first 16 years of my life, for the most part, um, and how I didn't want that to define the, the rest of my life. So um, God used this study mightily in my life, really the whole study, but redeeming the time uh, more specifically. But So tonight, God's will redeem the time. That's what we're going to be looking at. Key verses is Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. It's on your sheet. Go ahead and follow along. It says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. The will of God is that we redeem our time. We use our time wisely. We walk circumspectly, okay, like a circle, circumference. We're always looking around, seeing how can we use our time to the best of our ability. How can we redeem it? And I like the word redeem um, on your study sheet, redeem, to purchase back. Which I think is very interesting because of the way we use the word time, the way we apply it. We, we spend time doing something, all right? So redeem, to purchase back, to ransom, to liberate or rescue from captivity or bondage or from any obligation or liability to suffer or to be forfeited by paying an equivalent to rescue, to recover, to deliver from. So it's almost like your time is held captive. Your time is, is in bars. Your time is... is trying to be used of evil in this world and the bible says redeem it buy it back purchase it back use it for what god has called you to do and it's his will that you would do that and it makes sense that that's his will because if you don't redeem your time if you're not using it for god is there anything you can do for god everything you do for god it takes time um so i want you to think note on your sheet what do i you personally not me you ask yourself what do i spend the most time doing if you had to take your life and put a pie chart, you guys don't know what a pie chart is, right? Yeah, sort of. It's got different ratios of what you spend most of your day doing. What would yours look like? Where do you divide up your time? Does my time, so you, does my time honor or dishonor God? You know, I ask you this every week because I think it applies to every will. But think back to your day and, and create a pie chart or create... Uh, a graph in your mind of where you spent your time and did your actions, did the time that you spent, did it bring honor to God or did it dishonor God? 
And just like we've talked about before, you can bring honor to God and dishonor to God in your private life just as much as you can in your public life. Job is a great example of that and the testimony that he has to the unseen world. Just because you're alone doesn't mean you can get away or doesn't mean that you can waste time. There's a lot, a lot of times there's a lot more watching when you're alone than we think publicly. Publicly, we have a couple people around us. Privately, man, there's a whole host watching us. There's a whole spirit world that's trying to pull you in one direction and God's saying, no, come on, redeem that time. Purchase it back. Use it for my good. So the title of this message, Time, the Most Valuable Commodity. It really is. There's nothing I would sell my time for. My time is so precious to me. It's I, people that work, you get, you know, three, four, five, six weeks of vacation, whatever. And a lot of jobs, if you hold on to that vacation and then you get to the end of the year, they're like, hey, we'll, we'll buy your vacation off you. And people that love their money, man, they'll, they'll save up those two, three weeks and they'll get paid however many weeks that they worked. Like, you guys are absolutely nuts. You, I can't put a price on my, my paid time off on my vacation. There's no amount of money. Well, I say that, but... I love my vacation. I love my time that I get with my family. I can't put a price on it. I think that's insanity when people sell their time that they have. But time, it's the most valuable commodity. Why? Because point number one, our time on this earth is short. Can I get two readers? Dustin, let's go to James 4.14. Alana, uh, Job 7. And then the rest of us go to Psalm 103. Our time on this earth is short. We know that, but I got a cool little video I'm going to pull up here in a second um, just to help uh, help illustrate that a little bit because we say that and it, and it gets said from this pulpit a lot and we can be like, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, move on to the next thing. Yeah, 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 I got that. Yeah, our time's short. I understand it, blah, 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 blah. But do we really understand just how short it is and how quickly things go by? You know, we're going to talk about seasons of your life a little later and you're going to look at that and you're going to think, oh, I'm early on in this season. And then you're going to wake up one day and be like, holy cow, where did time go? It goes quick. James 4.14, go ahead and read that, Dustin. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth vanisheth away. Yeah, and you guys know what a uh, diffuser is or a vaporizer or anything like that? You get that vapor that comes up, and just as quick as you can see it, it's gone. (laughs) Vape. What did I say? Did I say vapor? No, I don't vape. I do not condone vaping. Yeah, you idiot. Way to take something biblical and make it worldly. I'd have to take Amy's spot. Yeah, but listen, it it goes quick, and I've drawn. I'm not going to do it tonight, but I've drawn up here. You know, just the graph and the ratio of how short your life is, and a lot of times when you're in the middle of it, it can feel like your life is an eternity. And unfortunately, Satan can throw a bunch of stuff at us that we just want time to go quick. We want time to pass. We have vacation coming up. We're flying out in two days, and a lot of time I can find myself going, all right, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I'm wasting time. I used to be like that as a kid, man. I would just wish the time away, and then I get to the end of vacation and be like, well, that was a waste. I wasted the last seven weeks leading up to it just so in so much anticipation that I get to the end. And all that anticipation, I got up so high, and then at the end, I just, and then it's more of a letdown. Redeem the time. Your time is short. Time goes very, very quickly. It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. And then hold on to Job. We're in Psalm 103. Look at verse 15. I'm not there. No, I am there. 
Verse 15, as for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth, for the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. That end is very interesting. So I think we understand a flower, it it opens up, it flourisheth, and then it goes away. The wind passeth over it, it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. It's like it was never there. Think about that for a second. What kind of impact are you going to leave on this earth? Because when you're gone, you're gone. It's as if you were never here. Your body goes into the, into the ground, you decompose, and, and you're gone. It's like you were never here. People leave memories and, and legacies and stuff like that, but it's as if you were never here. And the place thereof shall know it no more. You're gone. And I, I got a video, if you want to go ahead and pull that up. While he's going to that, I want Carson Reed, or no, who had, no, Alana. Yeah, who messing with me? Job 7, 9 and 10. As the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. He shall return no more to his house, neither shall his place know him anymore. You come to the end, and it's gone. He shall return no more to his house. So he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. It's gone. Neither shall his place know him anymore. It's like a flower. I love this picture, though. Watch this. There were some really cool videos. I could watch this for hours. mind was blown when I realized those are both a dandelion. Yeah. I did, I did, I did before I watched it. I'm saying when I was a kid, you know, you thought they were two separate, like I thought one was a weed. No, 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 but I was like, now I will be honest. I did not know that was the process, you know, seeing that, how it was, how it all works out. But, but that flower, I love how the Bible uses this phrase, we're not going to go there, but in James 1.10, it says, as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. What flowers, and this might just be applicable in America, I don't know, but what flowers cover your grass? What flowers? You guys are trying to be smart, Alex. I'm going to punch all of you. Thank you, Dustin. Dandelions. Clover's not a flower. Well, it's an ugly one. Well, we're not using that picture. Dandelions. We're going to use a dandelion. Just like that flower opened up, it flourished. And just as quickly as it opened up, it closed up. And it went away. And what's the only thing that really remained from that flower? 
the seeds. The only thing that's going to remain from you when you leave is what you did with the seeds that God gave you. What did you do with them? Your, your glory, your, your flourishing, it appears and then it's gone. What did you do with, with what God gave you? Your, your life is quick. Very, very quick. Our time here on earth is short. What are you doing while you're in full bloom? What are you doing when you're opened up and you're living and you're on this earth? What are you doing with your time? God has blessed you with it. We're not guaranteed. We don't know what's waiting. Point number two. When your time is up, you are appointed to face judgment. When your time is up. Hebrews 9.27. Does anybody know that? That's a staple. Rick. All right. Nobody else does? Well, Sam. Sam. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah, so it takes to... Yeah, we all have an appointment unto death. I always freaked me out when I was a kid. I'm like, you know, when you go to a dentist or a whatever doctor, you get an appointment card. We all have an appointment card unto death. I don't know where they're at, and I don't want to know, but we all have an appointment unto death. It's all waiting for us. And after that, what's waiting? The judgment. Our time here on this earth, it's going to be measured with what God gave us, and you're going to have to stand before him and give an account for the time that you spent on this earth and how well you redeemed it. We have no excuse. If you're sitting in this room tonight, you have no excuse. Flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to spend quite a bit of time in Ecclesiastes. It's very sobering to be reminded of this every single day. Though this world tries to eliminate him from existence or make him some figment of our imagination, we will stand before Jesus Christ someday. Even as Christians, you can feel so distant from that that it alters how you serve him. Ecclesiastes three seventeen says, I said in mine heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. Think about that. Every purpose, every motivation behind what you did and every work, when you stand before God, there's a time that it's going to be judged. And you're going to have to answer for it. It's not like standing in front of your parents trying to defend yourself out of something or or standing in front of the principal or your teacher or leaders and having a back and forth. It's not going to be a back and forth with your Savior. You in that moment are going to have no ground to stand on and you're going to realize, dang it, I have this finite amount of time. I'll tell you this, it convicts me every single day. Every day that I'm sitting there and I thank God for it when he pricks my heart and I'm doing something and I'm like, oh man, what am I doing? Why am I wasting my time? Or I hit the snooze button and then I'm driving into work and I'm like, what are you doing? And we can redeem that. We can redeem that time back. It's not... All right, let's just throw in the towel. All bets are off. That'll take you down a whole nother road. And that's what your flesh will try and guilt you into to thinking, well, all is lost. You might as well give in now. All is not lost. If you're breathing, you still have time that you can redeem for Jesus Christ. Psalm 96, we're not going to go there. I'll read it, 12 through 13. says, let the field be joyful and all that is, in that, and all that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. Why? Before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. He is coming to judge. He's coming to see what you did with your time. 
So let me ask you again, what do you spend the most of your time doing? When you stand before God, is that going to be a joyful moment? We're all going to have regret. We're all sinners. But do do you live a purposeful life with every decision that you make? Do you try and use every second of your life as a moment to bring honor to God? It's, a, it's the same approach that I use for parenting, or I try to. I'm not I fail all the time at it. Every opportunity with my kids, I try to use as a training opportunity. Every, kid, every, every opportunity, because time is so short. I don't get all this time that I can just sit down and go through the, the list of do's and don'ts. and try. So I try and utilize every second I got with them to train them. It's the same thing with God. You can't gather up more time and try and use every single opportunity you have to bring honor to God. And you can in thought, you can in deed, you can in not, you can with everything that you have. But our flesh is strong. But he's going to judge those things. When your time is up, you're appointed to face judgment. And how is that going to look for you? But point number three, judgment should cause fear, which causes obedience. Um, let's flip over to Proverbs 16. Hold your place. Well, it's probably too late now. You guys already turned. I was going to say, hold your place in Ecclesiastes. For those of you lucky ones that didn't already turn, go ahead. Although you're just one book over, so. Proverbs 16. Can I get a reader for verse 6? Jack. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. We touched on the fear of the Lord a little bit last week. Can somebody kind of explain the fear of the Lord? When somebody says that you have a healthy fear of the Lord, or by the fear of the Lord men depart from evil, what what is the fear of the Lord? Dustin. Like, it's not like a sense, it's like you're scared. Does it mean like you're afraid that he's going to pounce on you at any moment? He's going to strike you dead for the wrong that you do? No, Brandon. It's a sense of uh, respect and like one that you would have towards your dad. Yeah. Like you're scared of, you know. Yeah, it's like an honor. Yeah. And I mentioned this a while back. The first context of fear or fear of you, it's about Noah with the animals, with the livestock and the fowl and everything that creeped upon the earth. He was to be over them. It's like a shepherd. That's a healthy fear of the Lord. It's recognizing yourself as a sheep inside his pasture and there's safety. When you see yourself as that, you see the authority structure that God has over you, you want nothing more than to be within his pasture, than to be within his fold, to be under his protection. And that will cause you to depart from evil. That will cause you to run into his arms. How's your fear of the Lord? Because judgment should cause fear, which causes obedience. Knowing that God is going to sit you down and say, what did you do with what I gave you? It should cause you to realize, look, this isn't something we just get up and talk about on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. There's a day that we're trying to prepare you for. There's a day I'm trying to prepare myself for. There's a day that I'm trying to prepare my kids for. And there's a God that's fully worthy of everything that we could give him. And it starts with our time. If we're not willing to give him our time, are we really willing to give him anything? Everything in, on this earth costs time. Everything costs time. But knowing that you're going to stand before him, knowing that he's your shepherd, knowing what he did for you should cause you to flee from evil and run towards obedience. 
It's like something I try and instill with my kids. I want them to love being in compliance, being in obedience. I want them to hate being in non-compliance, being in disobedience. I want them to despise being there. I want them to realize just how disgusting it is, how sinful it is, how evil it is, and the broken fellowship. I want them to be miserable in that state. And I want them to be so full of joy in the obedience and in the... You get what I'm saying? Do you guys have that with Jesus Christ? Look at your life and think, how have you been the last year? How has your walk been? How have you been personally? If you're saved in here and there's been a lot of grieving, there's been a lot of struggle, God might be trying to get your attention. Just like a father, just like a mother chides with their child. He doesn't want you to stay there. He's trying to pull you out and draw you to obedience. He's trying to get, get you out so you don't waste more time. You recognize that. Point number four is how I spend my time expedient. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> First Corinthians six twelve, very familiar verses. Can somebody define the word expedient for me? <clears throat> you had it up and then you put it down. Yeah. You thought I was gonna ask to read the verse, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. What's expedient mean? <clears throat> Excuse me. He's getting over COVID. What's up? No, not in this context. Good for you. Oh, I thought you were being like a smart aleck. Good for you. No. Yes, yes, good for you. Profitable. Yeah. Yeah. It's something that benefits you, which I would say running fast benefits you, so I, we, we'll tie it in that way. How, is how I spend my time expedient. Look at 1 Corinthians 6.12. All things are lawful for me. All things are lawful unto me. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the, under the power of any. A lot of ways you can look at this verse practically to your life. We have the choice. We have the liberty under God to really do whatever we want. But not all things profit. Not all things are expedient. Spending your time doing A is not near as profitable as spending your time doing B. A lot of us, though, we spend our time doing A because A has such a grip over us, such a power over us. That was me when I was in high school. Two things that have power over me, girls and video games. Video games kind of tapered off, but girls in high school, that was my focus. It took Brandy through a lot of stinking heartache because of my stupid decisions, but that, spent, that took a lot of my effort, a lot of my, a lot of my time in high school. Is there something that has a power over you and it's just draining your time and before you know it, you're five years down the road and you're like, yeah, I, I told God I would deal with it and I'd get over it and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm still fighting it. Or I'm still giving my time over to this. And it's not even about being a major sin. It's just something that's sucking your time. That's what this is talking about. Redeem that time. Take that time back. Purchase it back and give it to God who deserves it. Quit letting this thing have power over you. It seems innocent. It seems harmless. But man, it's taking the most valuable thing away from you, your time. You can't get it back. 
Flip over to chapter 10. This was the first verse I ever memorized. I don't know why that's sentimental. I don't know. Verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Same thing, recognize the decisions that you're making. You know, we have a conscience to accuse and excuse, to decide, okay, are we going to do this or not do this? If you're saved in here, I mean, you got something far more powerful than a conscience. you got the Holy Spirit inside of you. Don't quench that. Don't shut him out. Listen to it. And I know... I know you guys are sitting in here and I'm even thinking of some things myself. I know, I know that the Holy Spirit is bringing some stuff up right now. Don't push it down. Even if it's just one thing, if you can walk away from here tonight and be like, this one thing has had too much power over me for far too long. Even if it's something little, man, God will use that and he'll get glory in that and he'll use that to move further and further and further in your life. Give him one thing tonight. One thing that's not edifying. It's not like it's, hurting you, although it is, and we could go down that path, but it's not edifying you. I want to do things that are edifying me. I want to do things that are growing me. I don't want to do things that just waste time. That's like me time. You know, people say, I just need me time. What the heck is me time? I don't need me time. Christ purchased my eternity. I need Christ time. We'll have time to relax when we're in eternity. Right now we have a job to do. You know, we if we had spiritual glasses and we could see people every single second dying and going to hell, I doubt we could be able to sit on the recliner and just watch people go and be like, you know what? They're good. I'm just taking my me time. I need to relax a little bit. But we know that's going on. We might not see it spiritually, but do you believe this book? It's going on every single day. How are you using your time? How are you spending your time? little line down there. We have a debt to Jesus Christ. We need to be very liberal. Only time I'll use the word liberal in a positive context. (laughs) In paying that back with our time. Just thought of that today, and I don't know, maybe you guys were all like, well, duh, like the dandelion thing. Well, duh, yeah, spend. But no, spend. It's something that you, you spend, you use it. We have a debt. We owe Jesus Christ all of the time we have left on this earth. Every day that he gives us more breath is more time that we need to use to bring him glory, to bring him honor. Anybody in here, would you trade your eternity for anything? No, so why do we waste time? Why do we waste time? Next point, the seasons of our lives. I want you guys to, to look at this, and I know all of you guys are in high school. At least I hope you are. If you're not, you need to leave. Um, you have childhood. And you could break that down a little bit more. Your infant stage, you know, your toddler stage, and there's other names, childhood. You got high school, you got college, you got marriage, you got kids, you got career, you got retirement, you got death. Pretty sobering to look at this, being like, all right, I'm in my career stage. Well, two away from death, unless death comes before retirement or rapture. But we have all these seasons in our life. We have all these moments in our life that God has a purpose for you. And you can't go back to these seasons. I can't go back and slap a diaper on and be a toddler again. I can't go back into fifth grade and start witnessing to students again. I can't go back to high school and be like, man, and apologize to somebody and tell them, look, I had no business acting like that and tell them about Jesus Christ. I can't go back to these seasons. You guys are early on in your season. Don't blow it. 
these seasons go by quick. You can't get any of these seasons back. You can't get these, this time back. Always be living like this is your last moment in this season, and it will change the decisions you make. That's how I try to approach my marriage. That's how I try to approach this ministry. That's how I try to approach preaching. That's how I try to approach parenting. That's how I try to approach everything. I don't do a perfect job at it, but that's what motivates me. If this is the last time I get to talk to you guys, if this is the last time I get to see my kids, if this is the last time I get to see my wife, and it will change everything you do. If tomorrow is the last day you guys were ever, ever, ever able, yeah, I'm getting a little little hillbilly. If you were ever able to go to your school, what would you do differently? If you found out you got some horrific cancer diagnosis, you're dead on Friday. For some reason, you chose to go to school, but you're going to go to school tomorrow. Well, I mean, how would that look? You know tomorrow is the last day, or you're moving away. We'll be a little less grim. You're never going to see those people again. Would it drastically change how you approach those people? You know, and I share that with people, and they're like, oh, yeah, and then I get credit cards and max them all out and do all this stupid stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. It's having that eternal perspective. What would change if this was your last moment in this season? Because I'm telling you, that last moment, it comes quick, and it comes very unexpectedly. You think that you can prep for it, but graduation comes, and your mind is running, and Satan's just keeping you busy and busy and busy, and before you know it, you look back, and you're like, man, oh, man, that went quick. Hear these things now. Boast not thyself, Proverbs 27.1, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Very simple truth. Man, if we could live like that every single day. We don't know what's coming for tomorrow. Use these seconds, use these minutes, use these hours, use these days like they're the last ones you got. Because they very well might be, or they very well might be the last ones your friends have or people you work with. I had a mechanic that passed away of a heart attack back in February. And fortunately, he was one that I had a little bit more spiritual conversation with, but I would bet a million bucks he wasn't saved. And I'm like, man, if I knew that he was going to die unexpectedly of a heart attack on Monday, would I have approached him differently on Friday? Unfortunately, yeah. And it's caused me to be a little bit more bold. It's caused me to approach people that I work with a little bit more. What about friends that you have in your season right now? Kids in high school, they get in car accidents all the, all the time and die. I think I had like five when I was in high school, and it wasn't a really big high school. It could be the last time you see your friends ever tomorrow. Make it count. Make these seasons count because you cannot go back to them. Time is moving. And then the last point here, timely maturing. Flip over to Ecclesiastes 3. Hopefully you held your place. I want to work through this a little bit. I can quit flipping past Ecclesiastes. A great time passage. I want to focus on a point that we typically don't. So Ecclesiastes 3, we're going to run through this, starting verse 1. To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a 
time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. There's a time for everything in our life. You can have all these moments in your life where there's a time to do this, there's a time to do that. There's a time to do this, there's a time to do that. We have all these different seasons in our life. We have all these different moments in our life. All these different reactions, all these different purposes. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Things are going to unfold in your life. But look at verse 9. What, prop, what profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? What profit do you have when you laboreth in this world? And the implied answer is nothing. When you spend all your time focusing on this, on this time on this earth, when you spend all your time trying to invest in yourself here, what profit do you have? What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world but lose his soul? We spend so much time doing one of two things, either honoring God or dishonoring God. And I got news for you. Being a man of good character, of hard, hard work, providing for your family, being in, involved in uh, the community and doing all these things outside of God is dishonoring to God. And this world wants you to think that that's what's elevated. Character outside of God, hard work outside of God, integrity outside of God, ambition outside of God, it's just pride. It's just, and I have to battle that. Because I can be a lot. I, I, who in here struggles with being a people pleaser? Yeah, big time. And I have to fight that because I need to be focused more on being a God pleaser. And it starts with our time. Being willing to sacrifice anything. Being willing to sacrifice anything that comes up in your time, anything that comes up in your life. Realizing that any profit that this world has to offer, it's nothing. It's empty. It's vanity as we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians 3.11, don't turn there. It says, For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Seems like a contradiction, right? They're not working, but they're busybodies. What does that mean? What's Paul talking about here? There's some that are working not at all, but man, are they busy. They're doing things like for this world. Yeah. Yeah, they're busy, but they're not working for the Lord. They're like, yeah, man, I, I'd come to church. I'd do discipleship, but I am just too busy. I do not have enough time. They're busy, busy, busy. And what does it say? They walk around disorderly. They're constantly trying to find the next thing to fill their life. They're constantly trying to find things to fulfill them. They walk among you disorderly. They're not working at all, but they're busybodies. Are you a busybody? It can feel real good being busy. For two reasons. One, you feel like you're accomplishing something. And two, it can be a pride statement to those people around you like, oh, I, I don't have any time for that. I've got this, 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 and this. Be busy doing things for the Lord. It's a lot less glorifying. Yeah, it's a lot less fanfare. Man, the investment that you have in, in heaven. 
man, the seeds that you leave back when you wither away, because you're dying one way or another, any impact you have on this earth for this earth's sake, it's going to be gone. I want to impact eternity. I want to use this time to impact eternity. How many of you guys are familiar with, like, stocks, you know, an investment? When we invest in heaven, the rate of return is astronomical, the return on investment. It's the only time where you're guaranteed a return. I like guaranteed returns. I want to get to heaven, and I want to see how my investment has paid off. You invest in this earth, you're going to get to heaven, and you're going to be sorely disappointed. Sorely disappointed. All right, flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Still talking about this timely maturing, these seasons, these times. We're going to look at the start of this book of Solomon and then the end. Chapter 1, verse 2. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor, which he taketh under the sun? All this labor you do on this world. One generation generation passeth away, and another generation cometh, but the earth abideth forever. You're going to go. Kids are going to come. Their kids are going to come. Who knows? I mean, the rapture's coming, but bear with me here. Generations have come and gone for decades, years, centuries. All is vanity that this world has to offer. So why would we invest in it? We know the truth. We know when we stand before God, our works are going to be tried. What's going to stand? I don't want to suffer loss. There's already enough time that I've wasted that I'm going to suffer loss for. I want to have gold, precious stones that I can cast that I know when that fire comes, it's going to stand. And I'm going to have investment. I'm going to have impacted eternity. Are you going to have impacted eternity? It starts with the giving of your time. But this world, all is vanity. What profit hath a man of all his labor which he taketh under the sun? This world can look very attractive with what it has to offer you. But at the end of the day, take it from the man who tasted it all, who experienced it all. Anything you could have wanted, he had. And he says, listen, this world is empty. This world has nothing to offer you. God is so much better. Jesus is so much better than anything this world has to offer you. And then flip over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12 to see his final statements. To sum it all up. Verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. The whole matter basically of life. The whole matter of Solomon's life, when he came to the end of his all, this is his statement, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Man, fear God and keep his commandments. Live in that shepherding of Jesus Christ. Live in that shepherding of the Lord. Fear God more than man. Fear God to where you want to use your time to please him over what anybody else in this world has to offer you. You can still do that by having good integrity, by being a hard worker, by it should actually do those things. You have a much greater platform, but man, when you start doing those things for yourself, you're going to fall and crumble. Use your time to bring honor to God. This world is going to promise you things. This world is going to make you think that this is much better than what God has to offer. And sin has pleasure for a season. 
but it's like a drug. Man, does it kill at the end. Stings at the end. And we have decisions to make when we come to that end. Do we reconcile and do we make it right? Do we get back in the fold? Do we get back in under God's leadership? Do we get back into redeeming this time for him? Or do we go right back to the sin? Do we go right back to the vomit? Got news for you again. If you're in here and these sins, they have control over you, they have power over you, you are wasting time. And time is far too valuable to waste. You can't get it back. You guys are in a critical spot in your life right now where you can make decisions that will change the course of your life forever. You can make decisions now that you can look back on when you're 30 and be like, man, I'm so glad I did that. Not for your sake because you know how it made your Savior feel. Because you know that it led you to a place that you wouldn't have been to if you would have continued down the path that you were going down. Don't let this sin have power over you, whatever it is, because it's wasting time. And time is far too valuable. So in closing, I have a couple points down there. It is high time right now. And are you asleep? Are you wasting time? We're not going to turn there. Romans 13, 11 says, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Paul wrote this almost 2,000 years ago, and he was making that statement. How much more near is it now? Salvation is close. It is high time. It's the pinnacle. Wake up out of your sleep. And it's not just a physical sleep. It's a spiritual sleep. It's you've put your spirit to bed and you're busy fulfilling your emotions, your flesh. Wake up out of sleep. And then flip over to Psalm 90. We're going to end there. last point teach us to number our days it's all about an eternal perspective 90 verse 12 so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom if you don't have that memorized you should and it should be something you quote every morning number your days be thankful for another day and redeem it for jesus christ purchase it back this world is going to do everything it can to keep you busy This world will sacrifice. If God's got the best ready for you, Satan will gladly give you a good. He'll gladly give you something that will keep you out of what God wants for you. Number your days and realize how valuable and how precious your time is. And don't use it to put yourself in a state of guilt to look back and be like, man, I blew it. I wish I would have done these things earlier. You can live in that sulking and Satan will be just fine leaving you there. That's called a Judas sorrowful. That's called a, I'm just worried about how it makes me feel. Have a Peter sorrowful. Have a repentant heart. Turn and use that as motivation to say, I'm not going back there. Satan got victory here and here and here, and I ain't going to let him have victory here and here and here. Redeem your time. Teach us to number our days. Number your days. Time goes quick, just like that flower. You open up. You're opened right now, man. It's going to close quick, and you don't know when it's coming. Christ is waiting to meet you on the other side. Don't you want to meet him with a smile? I know I do. I want to meet him with excitement. Either way, it's going to be a great day. But we can make it be a far greater day in how we spend our time, how we redeem our time. 
So what are the things in your life that you need to say, you know what, no. What do you need to do to redeem the time for Jesus Christ? All right, let's pray. Father, again, as with all these studies, Lord, it's caused me to look back at my life and think of the things where I blew it. And it can be easy for me to start to feel guilty and start to uh, just have a lot of regrets. Lord, and regrets in and of themselves, Lord, aren't bad. But, man, when they drive us to a state of guilt and doing irrational things, Lord, and just the state of self-pity, it can be very dangerous. Father, so I pray that we wouldn't go that direction, Lord, that you would pick us up, that we would trust you as, the, as our good Father, that we know that you don't want us to live in that pit, that, you, that we know that you're looking down on us, not ready to squash us, that you're ready to help us up so that we can redeem the time, so that we can buy it back for you. God, you are so good to us. Lord, we deserve hell. And we defy you, we break your commandments, we... Uh, dishonor you every single day, Father, but I pray that we would have honest and broken hearts over these things. And these broken hearts, Lord, again, that they wouldn't drive us to a guiltful state, that they would motivate us to bring you honor. So, Father, I pray that we would redeem our time and all these wills. Lord, they all depend on our time. If we're not willing to give you our time, are we really willing to give you anything? So, Father, motivate us. Lord, I pray that there'd be at least one thing that you'd lay on everybody's heart in here tonight, that you'd pull up to the surface that they'd be willing to deal with, and they'd say, no, I'm giving that to you, God. And they'd be done with it. They wouldn't be brought under the power of that, Father. They would make decisions that are edifying. So, Father, again, I thank you for this study. Um, Just thank you for how practical you are. Lord, you're not hard to understand. You're not too deep for the simple, Lord. You are for the simple. You're for the common man, and I thank you for that, Father. Thank you for your love, for your grace. Father, and for this church where we can stand up and preach these things and be in complete agreement about it. I pray that you protect us, protect this ministry, help it bring fruit and fruit that remains, Father. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.